The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And then two of his disciples heard him say this, and they left him and began to follow Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following him, and he says, what do you want? I think it's an intriguing question by the rabbi. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey of following Jesus, you may have been doing this for a long time. Maybe you're just exploring this morning and what this looks like, and maybe you're just getting started in it. But wherever you're at, this is the question of the rabbi. As we begin to follow him, he turns around and he says, what do you want? Not in a critical or harsh or, or unkind way, but an invitation, what is it? That you're looking for? What is it that you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Rabbi, we want to be with you. We want to stay with you. Where are you staying? And he says, come and you will see. Follow me and you'll have the answer to the question, what do you want? So even in the beginning as we start, I want us to take a little bit of a moment, a break, a pause here in this space, and I want you to sit with the question, if it helps you to put yourself in the physical place of Jesus turning around and looking at you and asking you, what do you want? See if there's an answer that he brings to your, your, your mind, brings to your heart. What do you want this morning? I'll give that a minute. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you're being asked this question. Maybe it's something that you've been asking for a long time when it comes up in this moment. Maybe it feels shameful or embarrassing to be asking for this thing. R really, the question is, do you want to follow me? Do you want to come and see? Because this is the invitation of the rabbi. Last week, we, we looked, as we're going through the book of Mark, we're taking a pause in the narrative, and Jesus calls the disciples, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And so we're breaking that down now. We're pausing in the midst of this, follow me, is the first call. Because the disciples, uh, their goal, their life was to be ordered around three principles. And I'll remind you of what these three things are. We'll put them up on the screen here. The first one is to be with your rabbi. 
That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Be with your, spend time with him. Be in the rhythm of his life. Learn from your rabbi. The second one is going to be become like your rabbi. We'll talk about that next week in more detail. And the third thing that they would order their life around is to do what your rabbi did. So this is our mini series within our larger season of the book of Mark. Um, and it's the life and the ordering of the life of a disciple. And so with this, the start of our apprenticeship with Jesus, again, whether you've been doing this for a long time or you're just beginning, the start of our apprenticeship with Jesus is to be with Jesus. It's so simple, and yet there's so much depth to it. A student only learns to grasp his or her teacher's way of life and all the nuances through the prolonged daily intimacy with their teacher. I've heard of these um, apprenticeship type programs. I think I watched a little documentary on one about pottery. And um, there was this person who wanted to go learn from the great pottery masters. I'm sure they have names. Um, the great pottery masters uh, that know how to work with clay and all kinds of mediums. And so they went, they got invited, they were actually able to go. And when they get there for the first year, they're not even allowed to touch the clay. They just watch. They just spend time with. They, they see how they handle it. They, they do kind of the shop tasks, the mundane stuff, the things around. But for the very first time, for a long time, they don't get to touch the clay at all. It's just being around them, watching their pace of life, watching how they do things. This is the invitation. Come and you'll see. Come be with your rabbi. Jesus was not only, and this is, this is important while, we, while we're putting Jesus on this pedestal here of be with him, because not only was he the perfect image of the Father, which he was, so, so the perfect love of God manifested in the person of Jesus. And he said, Jesus says, when you see me, you see the Father. The things that are invisible about God are visible through me. You understand God by knowing me. And so while he's the perfect image of the Father, he was also the perfect image of mankind. And that's why it's also beneficial to us because as we watch his life, the things he did, the practical outpourings, the actual things he did and the things he taught, we can see the patterns of a, a man who lives life to the fullest, the kind of human that uh, we get to be, we can be by the invitation of God if we stay connected to, to Jesus, if we stay connected to his life. Jesus teaches um, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus says, I come that they may have life to the fullest. This is Jesus's invitation to those who want to follow him, life to the fullest. Another version puts it like this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another way he puts it is that my joy may be in you and your joy may become full. What is it when Jesus turns back to you and says, what do you want as you consider the things of fullness of life, peace of life, he says, my peace I give to you, right? This, these promises of Jesus, the purpose of a rich and, or purposeful and satisfying life. Jesus says, you find that in me and sticking with me 
in the rhythms of my life. Consider Jesus' life. Maybe in the stories you know about him, his teachings, some of the different uh, engagements he had with different people. He was never in a rush. He was busy. He had lots to do, but he was never in a rush running from one place to another, trying to get you know, the disciples to football camp and then also getting home to make dinner and being able to you know, get things cleaned up for the guests coming over, right? Like he was never rushing from one place to the other uh, and trying to uh, be all places at all times. He was busy, but he was unhurried and he was doing it in a peaceful way. He was alone a lot. He spent time in his daily rhythms, his weekly rhythms of life. He spent them alone. For some of us, that's possible. For others, that's impossible with little children running around the feet. But he was alone a lot. He spent time sleeping Sometimes in the most inopportune uh, times of sleeping, as there's a storm around them and his disciples are like, you're tired, I understand, you've been doing a lot, but you gotta get up, you gotta wake up, don't you care about us? He falls asleep in the midst of a storm. Jesus knew how to sleep. Be like that, Rabbi. Sleep, that's a good thing. He ate food and community. He drank wine. He would Sabbath. He would have a day that he just didn't work. Imagine that. A day where you don't stress about the work that you didn't get done, and you're not thinking about the work that's yet to come. A day of rest. He would Sabbath, and he would live simply. Nowhere to lay his head. He had the clothes that were on his back and the things that people gave to him. He would live simply, and he would still be at peace. This is the lifestyle of our rabbi. We've gotten so used to being the opposite of some of these things. I've gotten used to being the opposite of some of these things. The, the rushing to go to one place or another, uh, being okay with uh, just a few hours of sleep. It's all right. I'll sleep later, right? Um, just be, lack of sleep. That's okay. Um, unhealthy uh, relationships with uh, food or drink. We've gotten used to like how they help us cope or how they help us get through seasons or busyness or holidays. Um, and then it complicates life. Life is complicated as we walk through it, and Jesus is involving, inviting us to pace with him in his life. All of Jesus and what he calls life to the fullest is an overflow of an inner disposition that he came to by abiding, that was shaped in his life by abiding. I'll say that again. All of what Jesus called the fullness of life is the overflow of an inner disposition shaped by abiding. I'm going to talk about abiding. Because if abiding shapes our life so that as it overflows, it looks like Jesus' life, then that's where we need to be, to stay connected to the rabbi. Now, Jesus teaches us uh, he's not here walking around us on earth to be able to see his life. He is with the Father in heaven. Uh, and so according to Jesus, the way we're to stay connected is by the Holy Spirit. This is how he's given us to stay connected to him. In fact, I'll put up John 14 
uh, up on the screens. Well, we'll put up John 14 on the screens. Um, and uh, I'll read just kind of an excerpt out of a few of these different passages. Um, it's a longer passage of John 14. There's more there, but I'm just going to kind of uh, quickly move down it um, for the sake of time, and you'll get the, the, the idea of what he's saying. Are we ready to go up there? Okay. I want you to be able to read it as I'm going through it too. Um, so it jumps a couple of verses up there. But look, I will give you another, he tells his disciples. Before I leave, I'm going to give you another person, another one, an advocate, he calls them, another like me, another one of me. That's exciting. I'm going to give you another one of me, and he will be with you. He will be in you. He will remind you of the truth. He'll remind you of my teachings. He will remind you of my way of life. He will live with you. He will be in you. The advocate will teach you all of these things. He'll remind you of all things. And then he promises, my peace I give to you. Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. It's there. You can look at it in your own Bible too. Uh, Don't take my word for it. Um, Reading rainbow. Okay. Ah, oh, geez. Things come to my mind and I say them. I still have a mic on. Um, okay. So he, uh, uh, so he says, all these things I give to you, I'm going to give you the spirit. And he's going to remind you of all the things. He's going to teach you all these things. And then he ends it with my peace I give to you. Don't be troubled. Do not be afraid. You're going to have this person to follow, to remind you of my way of life. And so the means of this goal to learn to live the way of Jesus is learning to live in constant state of awareness of the Holy Spirit, a constant state of connectedness with the Holy Spirit. The metaphor that Jesus uses about a vine. And he's, <laughs> there it is. Uh, he's talking about a vine, and this one's not up on the screen, so uh, you'll, this one I'll just describe to you. He's, uh, he's saying there's a vine, and there's branches connected to this vine, and the way this, these branches produce fruit is by staying connected to the vine. That's how it's going to uh, produce something. It's, it's not by effort. It's not by them straining and trying to be grapes or, or apples or whatever. Like uh, I heard someone else um, say this about this kind of a passage. I thought it was funny. He says, um, you, don't, you don't see ap- stressed out apple trees. Like I imagine going to Apple Hill and like wandering around and be like, you don't see uh, anxious apple trees trying to be like golden crisp, right? Like, ah, here it comes right? Like you don't see that because they're connected to the root of the vine, the trunk of the tree. In this case, it's grapes. You're connected to the vine and it will produce good fruit. And so in the course of 11 verses, in this little teaching of 11 verses, he uses this word abide, stay, remain, live. It's all kind of translated the same way, but he uses the same word abide 10 times in the course of 11 verses. He really wants us to be aware of the presence of the Spirit and stay aware and stay in the presence of the Spirit. We've been talking about the kingdom of God and life in the kingdom of God as Jesus announces it to the the world. This is the beginning. 
of life in the kingdom of God is staying connected to the Spirit. Paul calls it prayer without ceasing. So not held up in a monastery somewhere or off in the desert alone. This is prayer without ceasing is also being in two places at once. It's learning to be in the presence of the spirit as well as being present with whatever's happening in your life, in your day, that time. It's commuting to work and being in the Father's presence. It's answering emails and reading emails and being in the Father's presence. It's coffee with a friend. It's talking with your children. It's making uh, a meal. It's whatever it is you're doing in your normal day and being in the presence of Jesus or being in the presence of the Spirit. It's this being in two places at once, and it's not easy, and it takes practice, but that's okay. That's what we're doing as followers of Jesus we're practicing. We're not going to nail it the first time. This is going to be a lifelong pursuit for us as a church to practice this way of Jesus. And one of these things are practicing the presence of God. That's not my language. That's the language of a, of, a, of a man who did this really well in his life, and his name is Brother Lawrence. And he practiced the presence of God, and he, he taught people how to be in the presence of God. And so if that interests you uh, to read his work, you can go ahead and, and find those, those books pretty simply. But this is what we're going to be calling it, is practicing the presence of God and being present with him. If we want to have the life of Jesus, life to the fullest. If we want to have the life of Jesus, then we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Adopt his way of abiding. It goes really for anything in our life, anything that you want to start doing. If you want to be a runner, um, we can't just buy running clothes and go get the uh, gel packs and uh, set out on the trail. We have to adopt the lifestyle of a runner and you have to get up early and you have to put in miles and you have to become a runner. Or, or if you want to play an instrument or learn a new language, I might thought, my guess is, I was kind of, as I was like, coming up with examples of, of people to be like, I was thinking, how many people have started a language or started um, an instrument, and uh, that's where it ended. Like, sorry. Yeah, I'm just curious. How many, how many out there, like me, I'm raising my hand too. Yeah, okay, it started like, I'm going to be, like you hear a sweet guitar riff, like, I'm going to be a guitarist. That's awesome. It can't be that hard. Buy a guitar, buy all the stuff. You sit down with a YouTube video, and you're like, wow, this takes a lot of work. Like, I don't know if I can do this. It takes a lot of time. Like the lifestyle of a musician, my goodness, the amount of practice and time it takes. Same with a language, learning a language. Like, oh, I could do that. That sounds all right. You know, download Babel or whatever on your phone. And like, I'm going to be able to learn a new language in just 30 days. It promised me or something. Like it takes a lot of time. It takes a whole different shaping or shifting of your lifestyle to become like this. That's what Jesus is calling us to, adopting a new lifestyle. We said it a few weeks ago. This is not an add-on to our life, like a new hobby added to the rest of the mess that's in our life. When he says, peace I give to you, it's not peace for your messy life that's just going to continue to be kind of stress-filled and constant go, go, go. It's, I'm going to give you peace because you're going to learn to live like I live. You're going to adopt my practices and my lifestyle so you can be like your rabbi. So the life of Jesus, 
It was busy, but unhurried. It was prayerful. It was time alone. It was time in rest and Sabbath, time in community, simplicity. This is the life of Jesus. And so the practices of Jesus. Another way we can say this are the habits of Jesus. Historically, the church has called these things like spiritual practices, which isn't wrong or bad. It's fine language. It may conjure up different images for you, but really these are habits. They're not just spiritual. It's actually physical, things that we do differently in our life to engage God. So by calling them spiritual practices, it kind of feels like I'm just going to be like using my mind or my heart or my spirit. And it's not just that. We're going to use our whole body to engage a practice of Jesus. So maybe we change the language a little bit and call these habits of Jesus. It's not less spiritual. I just want to pull out some of the other elements of what this means in our life. So some of these habits around uh, ways of orienting our life around Jesus's life, um, the purpose of these habits or these practices, it's not to show God or show others how devoted of followers we are. That's not the goal of these spiritual habits or these practices, to show others how spiritual we are or to show God how spiritual we are. It's not the purpose is not to absolve ourselves from some sort of sin. God has already forgiven our sins in Christ. Amen? God has already forgiven our sins in Christ. We don't do spiritual habits or practices in order to get God to forgive us. That's not what they're about. It's not to impress God or get his attention. Look, God, I fasted for like a whole week. Aren't you proud of me? Like, not the purpose, not the goal. It's so that we can seek God and love God with all of our heart. Practicing the presence of God is to learn to abide. It's what we talked about a few minutes ago, learning to be in two places at once. I'm here doing this task, doing this thing, and I'm doing something else that helps remind me that I'm in the presence of God right now, that he's with me. And it's over a lifetime of building these practices into our walk, not all at the same time, over a lifetime of building these habits into our, our life that we learn to become like our rabbi. These are all means to an end. So we talk about reading scripture. We're going to talk about um, nine or ten different habits this morning. Um, I'm just going to mention them uh, and kind of give a little outline for each one. But um, if we talk about uh, like reading your Bible, the purpose of reading your Bible is not to just read your Bible. That's not the purpose. The purpose of reading your Bible isn't even to just know your Bible. It sounds good. The purpose of reading God's word and reading scripture is to know God, to learn the way of Jesus, to let scripture know you and let it work on you. That's the purpose of scripture. And so we'll talk about these spiritual practices um, and the purpose kind of behind each one. So as we go through them, we're going to be able to um, identify where we need one of these in our life this week. So these are things we do with our whole mind and our whole body. First and foremost, the end goal of all of these practices, of all these habits, is to be with Jesus is to be with Jesus. That's the goal of any one of these. So let's talk about a few of them. 
And then uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it's going to end, and then you can kind of be prepared for it. We're going to talk through these spiritual practices, and then I'm going to ask you, which one do you sense that you need in your life this week to bring you life to the fullest, to give you joy, to give you that peace? Whatever that is, that when, when you imagine Jesus turning around and saying, what do you want? The answer is that question. What is it that you need out of, from one of these practices for this week? So let's run through them. First one, silence and solitude. These are all ones that we see in Jesus's life. So I'm um, not just making these up uh, or drawing from uh, some other, you know, church background or something. These are ones we see in Jesus's life and in the disciples' life. So um, silence and solitude. Jesus went away and was on his own often. Silence and solitude. It can look like a lot of different things. It can look like 15 minutes in the morning upstairs in a room or closed off in a room all by yourself. Um, this could look like leaving for a weekend and being gone from everybody. Turn off the phone, leave it all at home, and just go and be alone for a while. As you hear that, silence and solitude, no phones, no children, no one else, and just go. That excites you. Pay attention to that. That sounds like that would be rest. Pay attention to that. Silence and solitude. The purpose? To go be with Jesus. Prayer. The practice of prayer. Lots of ways to do this. Lots of types of prayer. My suggestion would be this. 10 minutes a day. If you're not a praying person, this is not a normal habit of yours. Don't sit down and think, oh, I'm just going to go for an hour at a time right now. Like 10 minutes a day. Set a timer so you don't have to think about how long the clock is going for. It's my preferred way of praying. And set a timer. And when the timer goes off, then you know. It's been 10 minutes. But for those 10 minutes or whatever length of time you set your timer for, for those 10 minutes, everything else doesn't matter. Lock the door and you're there in that space with God. And whatever comes to your mind, you give that over to him. Whatever worry, whatever person, whatever thing is on your mind, you say, God, you are in control of all this, and you give that back to him. Ten minutes of prayer each day for a week, maybe. The habit of scripture in our life. Again, this is to know the Father and to let the word read you. So it's not about quantity. It's not about quantity how much scripture we can read in a morning or a day or a week. That's not the goal as we talk about it as a habit. Maybe you do have a goal to read through the Bible in a year or get through the book of Mark before the series ends. I promise you, you will. Um, maybe you have a goal and that's great. We're talking about scripture as a habit, as a practice for our day. It's not about quantity. Pick a starting point. Maybe you're going to be in the Psalms. Maybe you're going to be in the book of Mark where we are now. Maybe there's some other book you prefer. Just pick a starting point and begin to read slowly. And then listen for the Spirit. Meditate on a passage for a day. Or choose a passage to memorize. So kind of three options for the habit of Scripture this week. 
You're like, yeah, that's what I need. I need to get God's word into my heart, into my life. I need to know the mind of the Father. I don't feel like I know him. I don't feel like I've let him know me. Maybe it's the practice of scripture for you. And so it's slow reading. And then when you hear the spirit, you stop. Okay, that's enough for now. And let the spirit speak to you. Or it's meditation. Pick a passage and you pull it out. You write it on a card and you look at it throughout the day. Put it on your phone as a reminder and it reminds you, this is the passage for today. And you continue to meditate on it or memorize uh, that passage in the week. Pick a passage and memorize it little by little all week long. Fasting. I'll pause here for a second. My, My goal is to come back to these next year. Like as we get into this, My goal would be to come back to these practices, talk about them a little bit more, do them together in community as a church. Right now, I just want to give us an overview of what the life of Jesus is like and what he's inviting us to. And with that, I don't want to waste the opportunity to say, pick one and begin to research it on your own, begin to engage it on your own. So I don't want to miss that opportunity. So we're going to go through them like this, but we'll come back to these. So one, like fasting. This is not to prove that we're a devoted follower of Jesus because we didn't eat for an entire day or whatever the length of time is that we're choosing. When we stop feeding our body actual food, we start to notice all other sorts of stuff starting to come to the surface. When we stop giving ourselves the physical nutrients, other things go to work in our life. And we begin to realize the other emotions that sometimes food holds down, the other thoughts or habits or things in our life that food covers or suffocates or that we just don't need to worry about anymore. And we kind of come to like the animalistic side of ourselves. Everyone has a family member who gets hangry, right? Like everybody, yeah, and maybe it's you. Uh, I am the family member that get you. Everyone knows when I've passed that line, it's like feed dad first then let's talk, right? And so we get to that space in our life and you get hangry or whatever. And now all of a sudden you really get to know who you are. And that's the space then to engage God at those moments and release and give over trust to God. That's just one element of what fasting brings. There's so much more to it. But maybe, maybe that's a space of honesty for you. As you're thinking this week, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am with God. I don't know how I've processed my life. I don't know that I'm being honest with God and with the spirit around me. And so maybe it's time to limit intake of food and allow yourself to experience your real emotions, real feelings and thoughts and begin to process them with God. Three more. Sabbath. This is something my family and I, we've been practicing for uh, about two years, maybe a little bit longer, and we're still figuring it out. We're still trying to understand the process and how this works of Sabbath. And we have a little saying in our house and it goes, um, we rest, we play, no work, God loves us. And we ask our children to say it to us and we say it back to them. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us because we want to remind ourselves that we're taking a whole day, morning till night to rest, to Sabbath before We prove that we even deserve rest. God called us to rest. If you recall, his 
his uh, commandment was God, uh, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? And he gave us the Sabbath for our benefit. Before Adam and Eve did any work in the garden, God said it was good. He created them and then he rested. Then he gave them work to do. But before we produce anything, God calls us to rest. It's a reminder that God loves us for who you are, not what you produce, not what you achieve. So if that's you, and you're saying, man, I don't know how I'm going to get God to love me more, or I don't know if I can get this project done, these things done, and the people around me to, uh, for the things I'm going to achieve, maybe a space of Sabbath and rest is for you. It doesn't mean you have everything done. But it means at this point, we're going to be done and we're going to let God uh, rest with us and rest in us for a day. The habit of community. Jesus was in community a lot with his disciples, with others in the city, with uh, sinners, with tax collectors, with Pharisees, other religious people, the deplorables, the ones that no one would touch and be around. Jesus was in community with all kinds of people. And this wasn't just hangout time uh, of being together and goofing off or whatever. That's part of it. Uh, But it's intentional time. The practice of community would be intentional time with other believers giving and receiving the gospel. This is the purpose of community, that we have time with other believers who are thinking like us, have the same goals as us, but maybe they have different ways of reaching those goals, different ways of processing life. And we in community then are giving and receiving the gospel to each other and growing together, living in community. And maybe that's been missing in your life. It's something that uh, we desire and we um, we strive for here as a church to be a community, a family, but there's also an element in which we as individuals need to have community with each other outside of this place where we can share life, we can share real things, and we can begin to give and receive the gospel with each other. Ideally, all of us is in some sort of community that when we do these practices, we get to share them with each other and uh, tell each other how it's going the final one, the habit of simplicity, cutting out all the unnecessary activities in our week and simplify down to what really matters. Maybe you've been up here of just go, 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 or you're looking to the holiday season. You're like, man, it's going to be a whirlwind and we're just going, going, going. Some of those things are really fun. Nothing wrong with that. But If there's a space of simplicity for you, that might mean clearing out the closet. Just come down to a couple of things to wear. I'm going to be living simple this week, and I'm just going to wear these things. I'm going to be thankful and like, great, we have just this. Maybe it means uh, uh, um, we cut out other external eating or something, and we're going to live simply and eat at home and eat around the dinner table. Maybe it means we're going to just say no to all other invites and activities other than what's already on our schedule for this week. We're just going to Say no now, and we're going to live simply. We're going to cut out everything that's unnecessary. In fact, all of my thoughts are probably things that I should be doing, right? And uh, the things that you're thinking, I'm not even touching on. And so if this is for you, and the things of simplicity starts to kind of go, oh, I would like a little simpler life. That feels nice. Things have been going at kind of a rapid pace. 
Then in these next moments, as we have time to kind of think through these, this list of things, maybe something as God gives to you will be, what is the simplification of your life as a habit for this week? These are time-tested ways to remain, to abide in the vine. If we're going to learn the ways of Jesus, it is to live with him, to abide with him. And these kinds of things are the ways that we abide with him through these habits and practices. So we present ourselves to God and we present ourselves before God throughout our day and throughout our week and throughout our month and year and in our lifetime with these practices saying, here I am. And we engage him. Over the long term, we add these practices in throughout our whole life, and they become natural rhythms for us. But for this week, we're going to practice the presence of God. That's for us this week, Sun Hills. We're going to practice the presence of God. And I would love it if you would pick one of these, one of these habits that Jesus does that your life feels it needs this week. Maybe another way to put this is, which practice will lead to life abundant? As you're looking at this, going back to the question we started with, what do you want? There's a life that Jesus is offering, his way. There's a life he's offering. Do we want that? And if so, which one of these do you feel like it will give you life this week? It's an invitation. It's not homework it's not a weight. It's not a burden. It's a releasing. Take something off this week and practice this. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to pray at this point. I'm just going to be quiet. I want you to sit and pray. Engage this list up here. The worship team's going to come up. And in a minute or so, they'll begin to play and we can respond and worship. But until that point, keep your attention focused on what is the Spirit saying to you. So if you've got to close your eyes to get there, great got to find some space, that's fine. Keep your attention on what is the Spirit calling you to practice this week?